Sandy and I had planned to drive up last evening, but we decided not to do something stupid. I've done enough of that in my life, and God has spared me from that. We had sirens were blaring, and um, rain was pummeling us. We'd have followed all the way up, so we decided to stay home and uh, drive up this morning. So, And the morning was beautiful. I saw four pheasants along the road this morning. Yes. No turkeys. Boo. Yes. Today's Sandy's birthday, so yeah, yeah. So yeah, happy. No, we don't say happy birthday. Um, and this coming Saturday is our forty-fifth wedding anniversary. We praise God for that. So, I hope you have a sheet of paper in your hand. It'll be helpful to you. I've written a lot down here today, so you don't have to write very much. But I think it'd be helpful to help you walk through our study today. Glad to be here today. Love coming to Horton Baptist Church. A lot of, a lot of our f- friends are here, and we enjoy being with you today. And pray that God would use this time together to help you become a better witness for him. Wouldn't it be great if e- each one of, us, uh, one of us had a burden for lost people? Wouldn't it be great if we could share Christ consistently and confidently? That would be great. Wouldn't it be great to know what that could look like for you and I outside the walls of our church? It would be great if we could just go and trust God for this to save some. Wouldn't that be great? Sandy and I were saved in our late 20s, not the 20s, but our late 20s. We're not quite that old. (laughs) And began to have a burden for lost people and wonder what that could look like for us. A lot of people help us. Though we are not perfect at this and not consistent at this like we should be, over the years God has taught us through his word, through people, through experience, how to effectively share Christ with people. He's taught us some of it. He's given us a measure of fruit, and we give him praise for that. People have come to Christ through the ministry that God has allowed us to have. So I want to share with you some of that this morning that God has taught us so you can have some confidence in sharing Christ with people outside the walls of your church. That's how God builds his church through the gospel of Christ, and each one of us can do that. So some opening thoughts. Witnessing is personal, relational, and intentional. That is very key to understand that. Meaning it's about you and I relating to people to find a way to connect with them, cultivate friendships, have gospel, and do that on purpose, to not just let it happen. Witnessing is for every believer, not just your pastor, not just the gifted few. What is is sharing the gospel, the good news? We have good news to share. A lot of bad news. We have good news to share that Christ died for our sin, was buried and rose again, and we make an appeal for people to come to Christ, to believe, to call on him, to receive him. Uh, don't you love autocorrect 4? It should be 1 Corinthians 15. Don't you love autocorrect? Uh, the gospel. This is some opening. So let's be clear. Jesus, let's read book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 6 through 8. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, is not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses, my testifiers in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost parts of the earth. So we are to be his witnesses. Jesus told the followers he would make them fishers of men. That he gave us the ministry of reconciliation and trusting to us to be ambassador, message of reconciliation, made us ambassadors for him. Witnessing is commanded as a matter of obedience, it's essential, 
Because how would they hear without someone proclaiming in Romans chapter 10? Ought to be a natural part of our saved life. When Sandy and I came to Christ, God gave us a new nature. We were religious, moral Lutherans, better than most. We were good Lutherans. Were you a good Lutheran? Yes, yes. We were as good as we could be, moral, religious, loved to go to church, except during pheasant hunting season, then I found a reason not to go to church. But you still went, sang in choir. We actually met in Lutheran church choir. But God gave us a new heart for unsaved people, people that didn't know Christ. A natural part of being a believer is a love for lost people. It ought to be a natural part of our life, something we just instinctively do. One of our granddaughters, Addie, turned five on March 28th, a few weeks ago, and got saved on her birthday. She did. And she pressed our daughter in the, I think it was a parking lot of Sam's Club, Mom, I don't want to go to hell. We'll talk about it at home. No, Mom. And three times she said, okay. And it was good to kind of put her off, and she pressed her, so she asked Jesus to save her in the parking lot of Sam's Club in Ankeny. Went inside to get a hot dog. She talked to the lady, did you ask Jesus to save you? It's not, you're going to go to hell. I mean, it was right, boom. She'd been after her young brother, Finn. Finn, he's hearing it all the time. So maybe it was real. And then we got a, an interesting text message from a couple in our church, and we know that we've known them through small groups and being at our, we're, we're sometimes at our home church, not often. We're very irregular Baptists that way. We do go on Wednesday nights in small groups and Sunday nights. So this is a couple in our small group. And Sandy got this text from Katie about their son, Wyatt. And Wyatt is a terror. Yes. She says, I do believe, this is Katie, I do believe that the Lord might be calling your granddaughter, Addie, to missions. After talking with Wyatt about last night about his profession, he said, I know, I already talked to Addie about that. She said, I asked him what he meant, and he said that yesterday morning he was talking to Addie, and she said that she had been saved, and asked Jesus, and asked Wyatt if he was saved too. Wyatt said no, and Addie told him probably the same things we've been telling him for years. He thought about it, and then at Easter dinner, he heard his great-grandpa, which would be Norm Hoag, tell the story of his conversion 70 years ago on Easter Sunday. So Wyatt thought some more, and then at bedtime, 12 hours after talking to Addie, he decided that Addie was right. He did ask Jesus to save him from his sin. I thought you would like to know that. Isn't that embarrassing? <laughs> she doesn't believe, oh, I need to do this. This was instinctive with her, and it needs to be with us too. So with that in mind, let's be clear about something, that we're to be his witnesses. The reality is that most of us are not. And that's just part of everywhere we go. Very few believers have ever led a person to Christ, especially an adult, had a personal conversation with someone about the gospel, an unsaved person. Very few believers connect with unsaved people, cultivate those friendships, look for opportunities to share the gospel, point people to Christ and make an appeal for them to trust him. I think very few could give a clear presentation of the gospel, even if God would open an opportunity for that. And very few of us actually share Christ crippled by fear and are not consistent. But God is still saving people. That's the reality. I think a good number of believers feel guilty about not sharing Christ, have a burden for lost people, and just don't know really what to do. 
I'd like to help you with that today. So Jesus told the disciples, the harvest is plentiful, the labors are few. It's still plentiful, and labors are still few. That's still true today. But you can be one of the few. So let's move beyond the reality. And we all have our reasons why we do not, or we embrace some false ideas. We do. Some of them would be, well, it's too hard. It is hard. It's called work. And sometimes we're too busy, and it takes too much time, and we tried, it didn't work. Gave some a track, but in the church, they didn't come. Some will say, well, I don't have the gift of evangelism, which there really isn't. They find it hard to talk with people, though if you love something, you can't shut us up, right? I've heard kids that can't talk, talk when they love something. Sand and I started turkey hunting probably 17 years ago. Oh, yeah. And uh, she needed a bigger gun eventually. Yes. So my dad and I got her a bigger gun. It's a Benelli M2, three-inch Magnum. Why do you love your gun, dear? There you go. Selling point. Satisfied customer. And she's very good with it. So she goes into Shield. We go there frequently and kind of looking at stuff. And she disappears. The honey's like, where'd she go? Here's this poor salesman with two guns in hand with a couple. She walks up and says, hey, you really want your wife to hunt? Get her a Benelli. And she did that four times. And she did. I said, here we go again. And she's off in the hallway. And then God convicted her. You know what? If I can talk to strangers about a gun, why can't I talk to unsafe people about Christ? It was convicting to her. And so we can talk. Some think it's just the pastor job. It's not your pastor job alone to reach people with the gospel. And all sorts of reasons that we give. Sometimes we don't grasp the reality of hell. We're not walking with God, living in sin. We'll probably not be effective witnesses. Some think living the Christian life is all there is to witnessing, which it isn't. Acts 1.8 talks about speaking the gospel with confidence to those who need him. Sometimes we don't just spend enough time with unsaved people. We have all of our reasons not to go. The biggest one, we're crippled by fear. And so let's talk about fear a moment. So fear, what about fear? Fear, let's keep things in perspective. Fear, it can be overwhelming. The fear of man will bring a snare. It will, it will ensnare you instead of fearing God. And so it is overwhelming sometimes being crippled by fear of what we think is going to happen, the consequences of sharing Christ. But I think fear is overrated. I do. People say fear of failure. What's failure? It's not sharing Christ. Them not getting saved isn't failure. I'm faithful. God causes that to be fruitful. I'm faithful. I share Christ effectively, lovingly, and persistently, and we leave God to the results. Not without, with cavalier, but that's not failure to not see someone come to Christ. One man sows, another man reaps. And how do you know they didn't get saved later if you didn't lead them to Christ? How do you know? Something, a fear of rejection. Yep, you're probably going to reject it on occasion. But what's the worst that could happen in our country? From our perspective, for 35 years of this, I'm not interested or you need to leave. Our, um, her sister and husband, we were first saved and shared Christ with them in Bloomington, Minnesota, and they, they kicked us out of their house. But that's the worst, and it happened early. It's the worst that's happened since. So we magnify things that are not as bad. And you know what people might say? When you say something like, you want to do a Bible study with me? They might, they might say things like, you would do that? 
and they have several times. We're always thinking the worst, fearing what may never actually happen. So I think fear is overrated. And what if I make mistakes? Yup, you're going to. <laughs> You'll wish you used a better verse and had a better plan, and, but that's how we learn. Some say, what if I condemn them to hell? You can't do that. You know why? They're condemned already. My Bible says that. You can't condemn a condemned man. And I've heard people, oh, I'm trifling with their soul. No, they're already condemned. What if I don't know an answer to a question? And you might not. It's not that hard. You tell them, I don't know. <laughs> you know what they'll think? <sighs> what a relief. You know what they think about us? They think we know the whole Bible, have it memorized. A guy told me that. I quoted a couple of verses. He said, yeah, the whole Bible memorized. I said, I wish, but no. So they're happy when we don't know everything that we think they think we know. Don't pretend we know because sometimes, sometimes God hasn't revealed answers to questions. There's a way to handle that. Or you say, you know, I'll check into it. I'll get back with you. So fear, I think, is overrated. Fear can be overcome. We look to the word. We find promises. We pray for boldness. We understand the process. We'll talk about that this morning. Understand the process. Have a little bit of a plan. It will give you some confidence in sharing the gospel. This was my verse for this morning, 2 Timothy 1.7. God gave us not a spirit of timidity or fear or being timid or unwilling to speak, but of power or confidence and love and self-control or a focused mind. That's what God gave us. Paul said he's eager to preach the gospel. He's not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God to salvation everyone believes. So the gospel is still powerful to save people. So I think fear can be overrated and it can be overcome. We also can follow a biblical example. I think understanding the process of how someone comes to Christ can be helpful to overcome fear. Like, where do I go? What if they're interested? <laughs> That's a bigger fear, by the way. What if they're interested? Ever thought of that one? <laughs> nope. <laughs> no. What if, what if it's like Philip and the eunuch? Turn to Acts chapter 8, the first detailed account of a, a gospel conversation between a believer and an unsaved person. We've heard up to this point of people coming to Christ uh, in, in groups and in big... And here's a conversation between Philip and the eunuch. And we get to listen in on what God is doing God is directing the believer, drawing the unbeliever to himself. That's the process here. God is directing us and drawing him. And you and I get to be part of that process of God drawing him, directing. Begin reading in Acts chapter 8, verse 25. And when they had testified, this is Philip and others with him, and spoken the word of the Lord, they returned to Jerusalem, preaching the gospel to many villages of the Samaritans. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Now rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. It's a desert place. And he rose and went, and there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, the court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was charged of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and returning, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asked him, if you were to die today, you know for sure you'd go to heaven. Oh, doesn't say that, does it? Do you understand what you were reading? That question fit the occasion. And he said, how can I, unless someone guides me, he invited him to sit and come and sit with him. Then he preached Jesus to him. What if that happens? And it will. 
You're the person to guide them. They want answers, and you get to be the one that directs them through the scriptures. So we want to walk through the process of what they can look like. So here's a little bit of an outline from Acts chapter. We go where God sends us. They send us to a place, to a person in that place. You get involved in the lives of people. You join yourself to someone's chariot. Again, outside the walls of your church, you get involved in people's lives. You guide them through the scriptures, then you give them the gospel. That's really a good template for how you connect with people in a gospel way. We moved to Ankeny uh, eight years ago from Carroll. Pastor there for 24. We lost a lot of gospel uh, contact with people. So we prayed that God would open door. We had no one to work with. We said, Lord, give us someone to work with evangelistically. So our daughter, Amy, worked for an optometrist that we knew in Ankeny, and they hired a new optometrist. Her name is Mandy. And God gave us a burden for Mandy. And it's not an audible voice, but he gave us a burden for her, and she did our glasses for us, and she was kind of a bubbly person, and we got a burden for her. But what do you do next with her? I mean, what do you do? So we prayed, and women are great at this. Men are not so good. And so she said they just had it. She and Todd, her husband, just had a baby. Let's buy a bouquet of flowers, bring it to their house, and say congratulations. So we did. Knocked on the door, invited us in the house, and now we're sitting in their chariot. And it's just, what you do next is sometimes tricky. Is it God directed us just to, with some flowers? So now they're chatting and chatty, and Todd isn't so chatty, and I exhausted every question I could think of said, Lord, I'm dying here, you know. And so pretty soon something about he lived in Carroll before. Hi, huh, I've lived in Carroll. He liked guns. I kind of like guns. He knew a local gun maker. That I said, wow, it's so You know the Volkortsen family? He said, yep. He said, they actually made me my own custom gun. I said, they did? He said, do you want to see it? I said, duh, which means yes. He goes to get the gun, brings it down, and says, wow, you ever shot? He said, no. I said, we need to fix that. So this begins the conversation with Todd. That was it for the night. We went home, didn't share the gospel, and we now made a new friend. For, for our daughter Amy the next day, she said, Mandy said, you know, your mom and dad stopped out last night. They're the coolest people on the planet. That's all you have to do, <laughs> show up with flowers. But we developed a friendship with them from a bird, and God directed us to open the door. And from that, we did a John study with them. Mandy came to Christ about a month later. Todd did a couple months after that. My point is this. You can connect with people over, over firearms and flowers or guns and roses, if you want to use that phrase. But <laughs> you can't say this in a Baptist church. But you need to remember that, something that simple. So if you look at John chapter 4, another template. You have to care about people like Jesus did, the woman at the well. Find a way to connect with people. Sometimes you have something in common with them, and then well, it's water. Cultivate these friendships, point them to Christ, be conscious of what opportunities are right in front of you, the harvest of planted labors were few. This is kind of the template of how this process works, how the process works. The biggest fear is not knowing what to say next with people. Early on in our gospel sharing, we, we were terrified, but what do you go next in these transitions from First, that you don't know them, then you know them, then how do you transition to spiritual conversation, transition to the gospel, transition to following the gospel presentation. These are like grand canyons to me. I didn't know how to navigate the next transition to a friend, to spiritual things, the gospel, an appeal, and follow it were just mystifying to me. We were taught, learn to ask questions. If that's all you take away from today, I would be happy. Look at what Philip did when he ran to the chariot, God directing him. He said, do you understand what you're reading? 
that becomes a good template for how you bridge these transitions to different areas of the gospel. So this is why we ask them. It's a biblical pattern. Jesus did, God did, Paul did, and Philip did, always asking questions of people. Why do we do? Well, it shows you care. It shows you care. You start with these. We lived in South Des Moines, pastoring there for like five years. Sandy would, would go to oh, the, with the Hy-Vee on Army Post Road every Wednesday afternoon at the same time. And you pray for opportunities. We're homeschooling our kids, don't have a lot of connections with people. You pray for God to give you a burden for something. So we went through Maryland line. So I had a burden for Maryland. And she went for Maryland's line every Wednesday, even though another, another one was open. And she began with, hi, how do you start? Hi, my name's Sandy. And did she have a tag on? You know what they'll say? They'll say, hi, my name is Marilyn. It can be that simple. You have just made a friend by telling them your name. I'm serious about that. So now they're friends. So every week it's, how'd your week go? How are you doing? It's kind of small talk. Several months go by. That's all it is. How is your week go? How you do? One Wednesday was, I'm not doing so good. Ooh. She says, why is that? My husband builds in the hospital. He hooked up the tube. They have no idea what's wrong with him. And it's kind of scary. She said, I understand. You think my husband Tim could go see him? And she said, he would do that? Yeah. I went to see Bill. Bill got saved that day in the hospital. He did. Did a John study with them, confirmed that he had come to Christ. Marilyn came to Christ, and they had friends, all from, hi, my name is Sandy, and a woman at a grocery store. So don't overcomplicate this. People are relational, and questions show that you care. They're not threatening or preachy. It gives you permission to speak. Um, in South Des Moines, God directed Bill and Kelly to our church to a common friend. And he was the lead pilot for Mercy Air Life in Des Moines. He was searching. They came to church, followed up the next week. Hi, thanks for coming to church. What do you say? Hi, thanks for coming to church. And we started talking in their living room. And what do you do? How long? He flew Chinook helicopters in Australia. Then I got to, he was trying Buddhism and thisism and Mormonism and none of them. I said, he's like, he's searching just by talking about what do you like to do, ever thought about these things. And, and it began to get serious, and I said, and dinner was cooking. I said, you know, this could take a while, and Kelly said, dinner can burn. I said, okay, permission to speak. So later they got saved that night. doesn't happen that often, but they got saved that night over asking permission to speak because dinner was cooking. It forces people to think about things that they never have thought about, it engages them in a conversation. People like to talk about themselves. How is your day going? <sighs> sometimes you get nothing. Sometimes you get the mail lady. You live in a cul-de-sac with a mail pod, like a pod of boxes. How's your day going? Boom. And so we directed her to someone who could maybe help her son, who was not walking with God, and it opened, found out that a former NFL football player was our neighbor. I mean, how cool is that? You know, Fred Jackson's his name. Running back for the Buffalo Bills. He's our neighbor. So look at the cool things going to come and say, how is your day going? Um, and I used to live in Buffalo when I was a kid. We have a common connection from years back. We hope that it'll develop into a friendship. 
just learn to ask questions. That may lead them to ask you questions. So you say, hi, I was at, um, we have a camper that we love camping with, and so last fall we're putting it away in Ankeny. And uh, nice Saturday afternoon, a guy, three campers down, was putting the camper away, and I thought, I don't have time. God says, you need to talk to him. I said, okay. I still struggle with just doing it instinctively. So I said, hi, my name's Tim. Hi, my name's Nick. Now I know Nick. How long have you camped? Well, we just started, kind of got into camp. I said, where do you camp? He said, they camp where we camp. I said, he says, I said, told him, I said, what do you do? He did this. He said, what do you do? Huh. Ah, he got my whole testimony. All the way from college at University of Minnesota, go Gophers, living in Alaska, being an engineer, building a hydro plant, getting saved, going to Bible college, passing for 24 years, shepherding churches. He said, that is really cool. Do you know Sean Lomberg? Community Baptist Church. I told him what we did, churches in our fellowship. Yeah, he's my neighbor. I said, he said, he's a cool guy. I said, yeah, he's a cool guy. You need to get to know him. I talked to Sean the other day. He's working on Nick. I mean, how providential is that? I was going to not, it's that simple. It says, hi, my name's Tim. And we had our camper serviced at RV1 in Altoona a week ago. And the guy running the apartment was helpful, but not real personal, just kind of not personable guy. And, and I just said, hi, my name's Tim. He said, hi, my name's Jason. And now Jason's my buddy. I'm waiting in line later the day, and about people waiting, they say, you've been helping? Oh, he can wait. He's, he's playing with me. Oh, he can wait. And then he calls me back and said, your camper's ready. Now he's personal. He wasn't like that. Just by saying, hi, I'm Tim. What's your name? My name is Jason. Could you do that? I don't know where this is going to go. And so we now pray for Joe. We call come and go Joe. Our favorite come and go right in Ankeny off of the first street exit is our home come and go. We eat there every morning, heading out for Sunday morning. Sandy gets a breakfast pizza. I get a bacon cheese. Well, just the mornings we travel. Yes, not every morning. Not every morning morning, but every traveling morning. And I get a bacon cheese croissant. Just perfect. And so Joe makes it for us, he, and he makes it. And we, now we're his regulars. He likes seeing us Sunday morning, and he'll say, if you wait a couple, I got a fresh pizza for you this morning. He knows I like bacon cheese croissants. So we went in one morning and said, I need to get it to know his name. So I walked and said, hi, hi, my name is Tim. And he said, hi, my name is Joe. Then he washed his hands, which was good, you know. And so now we know Joe. So we saw him this morning. He gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning. We walk in. He just made his first breakfast pizza. He said, if you hang on a couple of minutes, I'll make you a fresh bacon cheese croissant. Even knows what I order. The next step is to take him for lunch and say thanks for cooking us breakfast. And then there's Drew. Drew is my new lawn tractor and snowblower maintenance guy. I referred to him by our neighbor across the street. He owns Cherry Street Service in Uptown Ankeny. Had him on my list to call. I just called him one Wednesday morning and said, I'll be right over. So he came right over. He never takes time. He spent an hour with him in my driveway. He said, you're a fun guy. I said, oh, that's fun. I just chatted with him over the phone. You're a fun guy. I'll give you this for free. I said, okay. We chatted in the driveway. We talked about kayaks. The garage door was open. And he said, oh, I told him what I did. He said, so what do you do? I said, I'll tell you what I used to do and what I did. So he gave him the whole story again. 
He said, that is, that is amazing story. He loved what we do with churches that impressed him. He's just engaged in this. Then he said, you know, I know some Baptists. And they're going, oh, boy. And they're, they're pretty good people. I said, yeah, for the most part we are, you know. He said, you know how Baptists are different than Lutherans? I said, I could tell you that. <laughs> Boom, got the gospel again. He said, we need to talk again. So you pray for Drew. I want to take him out for lunch and say, thanks for doing a good job. He's disengaging. And so this is how it can work. I never know where it's going to go, but that's how it starts. But questions may lead them. So you learn what they believe, what they're trusting. It gives you time to think, where to go next, an idea of how open they are. Some are informational, some questions are direct, some are probing, some are hypothetical, like if. This is really important. We lived in Carol. Sandy worked at a consignment shop. Ladies worked there, and uh, she would share the gospel and, and point people to Christ when she could. And they hired Kim to take her place when we moved to Ankeny eight years ago. She's kind of training in Kim and old friendship, and one day she said, hey, Kim, could I ask, could I ask you a personal question? That's how you start. She said, sure, we're friends. Do you know for sure you, if you died, you go to heaven? She said, I don't. And she began to cry. And then Sandy said, if you could know, would you like to know? Whew. That's a new one. But a hypothetical question takes him out of the picture and makes him think about not just them. And she said, I would. See how this can work? It's not threatening. It isn't preachy. It shows that you care. So hypothetical questions are really good. We don't pressure people. We don't attempt to. We do attempt to persuade them, and God makes his appeal to us. So questions are really important to demystify the process of every step of these transitions from a friend to the gospel to post-gospel to even a discipleship. Some examples along the way. There's the opening, how to get to them. Probably not if you were to die today. If they're going to die today, you better tell them. Okay, but not every time. Hi, my name is something. What is yours? How many of us could do that? All of us. Where do you work? What do you do for a living? What are your hobbies? How is your day going? Where did you get that? I just, that's a new one. <laughs> we went bike riding on the only nice day last week. It was, it was fine. <laughs> it was Thursday afternoon, beautiful afternoon, foggy in the morning, and we ride our bikes around our neighborhood, and we just there was a couple here by a really cool house. They're like a third-story overlook. It's so cool. And they're standing in their driveway, and there was a guy with a pickup truck with their mower in the back, probably their, their Drew to them, their maintenance guy. And he had some aluminum ramps. I thought, I would like a pair. So I put, we were led, and Sandy said, you need to go talk to him. So I said, okay. I turned the bikes around, went back, and said, where'd you get those ramps? I pulled the phone on Amazon, and I told him I wanted to buy them. He said, oh, they're so cool. So we started with ramps. And then there's the couple. So we said, hi, my name is Tim. My name is Gene. I'm Diane. So now we know their name because of some ramps in the back of their lawnmower fix guy. This was last Thursday. I'm serious about this. This is how friendships begin. And all of us could do that. That's how you open. And then we transition to spiritual things. These are, we're going to go through these quickly. But these are questions we've learned to ask to make the transition from a friendship to spiritual thing. Could I ask you a personal question is a great one. Do you ever think about spiritual things? You can get answers like, yup, just last week I couldn't make sense of life. People will say that. What do you think you need to do to go to heaven or have your sins forgiven? Would that be enough? 
Is anything else you would need to do? How will you know for sure when it's enough? Do you know for sure, 100% sure, that you're going to heaven? Uh, people that are into works can never know. It's a great question. If you're into works like we were, Greg, you can never know. If works are it, it's either works or grace. If works says you cannot know, it's a great question. If you could know for sure, would you like to know, like we asked Kim? And if they say yes, they say, could I tell you how I came to know that I'm going to heaven? Then you tell them your testimony. It's a great way to share Christ is how you came to Christ, your story, how God convicted you of sin, how he put your trust in Christ and became a believer in him, and make sure the gospel is clear on that. But learn to tell your story like Paul did in Acts chapter 26. Or could I show you from the Bible how you can know for sure you're going to heaven? <clears throat> and you can walk in through a Romans road or something like a track. How good do you have to be to go to heaven? That's a great question. They'll go, hmm, never thought of that. Or they'll give an answer. One lady, I was visiting people at one of our churches, and her, her kids were in our youth program, and... Um, she said, yeah, I'm going to heaven. I said, why? She said, well, I have good kids. And I thought, ooh, I could hear in the background just terror. I thought, not going to happen, lady. <laughs> if it's raising kids, you're not going to make it. <laughs> um, that opens the door. If you were to stand before God and just ask you, why should I let you into heaven, what would you say to him? No one's ever pondered that. If you do all your religion asks you to do, would you know for sure you'd go to heaven? If I had five minutes to live, what would you tell me I need to do to heaven? I talk with people that kind of dance around the gospel, not sure. I take the time factor out. Like the thief on the cross, no time to do good work. I said that to a lady, and she was dancing. I said, I said, okay, I got five minutes to live. What would you do? I'd call 911. It's what she said. And so it's a good revealer. Would you be interested in doing a Bible study with me? I encourage you to take one of our John studies in the back. It's not a magic bullet, but it is a good tool. Get people into the Bible where they do a study by themselves. You'd be with them. There's a sheet in the middle of how we do them. It's a good tool through the Gospel of John. And I just say, would you be interested in doing a Bible study with people that are new to the church, who visit a church, or people we've met, don't know where they are spiritually? It's a good step to keep you on, on focus. It's a good tool. Anyway, so I did this kind of a study on how to use them with a group of pastors and evangelists. And evangelist said, how do you do that again? I said, would you be interested? Got it. Okay? It's going to be that simple. The transition after sharing the gospel is, does that make sense to you? So you share about their sin, about Christ, about saving faith, and you say, does that make sense to you? Do you have any questions? We don't know how to make the appeal. This is how you lead into the appeal. We've asked that every single time. Does that make sense to you? Do you have any questions or have you ever done that? Mandy's husband, Todd, wasn't saved when Mandy was. So we did a John study, went into another book, and uh, they wanted to hear a testimony. So we shared our testimony with Todd and Mandy about a couple of came to Christ. He, they demanded that we do that. So we said, he said, no, I don't think we need that. We set aside a, a night to do that. So we share our story. And we said, Mandy, is this true for you? She shared her story again. I said, Todd, what about you? Have you ever come to Christ in that way? And he just sat there like this in his seat at their dining room table. He said, it's like standing on the edge of a cliff, ready to jump, and I just don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, what do you do with that? 
and God brought Romans chapter 10 to mind. So I said, Todd, let's review the gospel. Do you believe you're a sinner deserving the wrath of God? Yes. Do you believe that Christ died for your sins and rose again? He said, yes. He said, just tell God that. Romans chapter 10, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, right? Twice it says that. How will they call upon them and who they believe? They just call upon him. And that was a new problem for me. He believed, but it wasn't, so I said, just tell God. He prayed and said, well, that felt good. I want to go to church. I said, got to wait till Sunday. You know, here's the guy that wouldn't talk. Now is almost charismatic. And I had no idea except God brought scripture to mind. And so we review, do you believe? I did that with Arnie. Arnie was the, the father of a couple that got saved in Carroll. Got a call from Kelly. He said, my dad, Arnie, is sick and dying of terminal cancer. Would you do his funeral? I told him you would. I said, I don't barely remember him, I'm thinking. But Arnie had been to church in Carroll. He somehow liked us, remembered us, and thought that would be great. You can have an influence. You have no idea the impact you can have on people. And so, and so I'm doing, I said, absolutely. Thinking, I better go talk to him. <laughs> He's not dead yet and probably not a believer. That just kind of hit me like a well, duh, you know, the next morning. So we called called Kelly, said, can we come up Monday night and see your dad and mom? We drove to Coon Rapids and visited with Arnie, and he sat up in his bed. He was strong. I mean, he was terminal, but he was determined to hear what we had to say. So Arnie, we need to talk a bit. Is that okay? He said, yeah, we need to talk. They shared about how he's a sinner, how Christ died for his sin, that works don't count. You need to put your trust in him, and God will give you eternal life. I said, do you have any questions? He said, yeah. He said, what about my brother? I said, no, Arnie. When you come to Christ, I'll tell your brother at your funeral. Okay. He said, well, I don't think this is fair. I said, what's not fair? That I'm asking God to take away with cancer. I said, you're not taking away cancer, you're taking away sin. He said, okay. And he understood that. Well, I don't, I'm not a church goer. I said, good. It doesn't count anyway for heaven. He said, okay. So I answered his question. He said, Arnie, let me review the gospel. Do you believe your sinner deserving the wrath of God. He said, yes, he was strong. He sat, his wife wanted to put him down and he refused to be laid down on his bed. He said, yes. He said, do you believe that Christ died to pay for sin? He said, yes, I believe. I guess that was it, right? Just tell God that. He did. He prayed. He said, that seemed pretty simple. I said, yep, because Christ did all the work for you. So th we've learned to do this. So we review the gospel. If they don't quite understand... When did you do that? Was a time in your life that you were not going to heaven? Is this now different? And if, if you never did, if you never went to mass again, would you still go to heaven? Is a great question. And all these things. If they get to the end, we would say, is there any reason why you would not want to come to Christ right now? If they're putting up, and sometimes they'll say no, sometimes they'll say yes. Things like, what about those who've never heard? Or what about a loved one who died? Or I'm afraid about what people will think, and I like my life the way it is. I want to go to my friends, or I say, no, you don't, because we know a guy who went to hell and didn't wish his brother to come. Or a few common objections. I say, what if you're wrong? Wouldn't you be risk being wrong? But what they say, and some will give reason. I'll close with this. Sandy's a dean of women of faith, and she gets to invest in a lot of the lives of young ladies. Some of them, 
are not saved. Some of them know they're not saved and don't want to be. Whoa, at faith? Yep. So a gal came to her around Thanksgiving time last fall. Actually, a friend brought her. A friend was burdened for Caitlin, for her friend. Said, bring her in. We'll have a talk about her spiritual life. So her friend brought Caitlin in. Began to go with the gospel, and Caitlin said, I'm not a believer and don't want to be. Wow. Mom and dad are pastor's family. It's not relevant, but interesting. What do you do with that one? So he went to the gospel. Why would you not come to Christ, Caleb? Because I don't think God is worthy of my trust. Oof. Then she pulled the, I knew I too much Bible to be good for myself. She said, I don't know if I'm one of God's elect. Oh, are you kidding me? Okay, she pulled that card. And Sandy's going, Lord, I don't know what to say to that. And God, right behind Sandy's desk is a big kind of a wall or a board with a bunch of boards on it and kind of whitewashed with, oh, cute little um, twine, twine and little paper, no, not paper clips, little clothespins kind of color-coded by who these all 140 girls are there for her to know and tell them that they care about them. Caitlin, see that board? I love every single one of them. I'm available to every single, only the ones that come to me that choose to come, can I help? You have to choose to come to Christ, and then you'll be one of his elect. Boom. And she was convicted and began to weep and came to Christ. Isn't that amazing? And that was new. We're still learning. So after they have made a decision to trust Christ, we tell them, do you, know, do you, know, do you now know that you're going to heaven? And how do you know that? Based on what? Could you tell me how I can know who you'd like to tell now that you're saved? How do I start? Be personal, purpose to do it, make it a priority. It's about people. Have a plan and persevere and pray. The point is, you and I are called to do this, and with the grace of God, we can do this. Let's demystify this. It's about making friends with people, cultivating friendship, asking them questions, and God will tell you what to say, and God will save some, and you'll never be the same again when you see someone profess Christ and you get to watch. I was there when, we, when Sandy gave birth to all of our three kids. I was there. We've been there when people have been birthed into the kingdom of God at their dinner table, in their living room, in our living room. It's an amazing thing to watch. So let's learn to ask questions and pray that God would open doors, get a burden for people, and just begin simple and grow from there, because by the grace of God, we can do this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gospel of Christ. We thank you for the gift of eternal life through Christ and the, the joy of representing him to a lost and dying world. Father, sometimes we're crippled by fear, and we make more of things than we should. And yes, there may be rejection. Yeah, there may, may be questions we can't answer. But Father, you have given us the Holy Spirit and your word to empower us, Give us a burden for lost people. Help us to get to know them by asking questions, pulling out of them what they believe, sharing Christ with them in a way that's loving and helpful. We ask you to bless us as we go from here. Help us to purpose to begin today to bring the gospel to people that we know. In Christ's name we pray, amen.